keep the boy band theme rolling. We want you back. <laughs> Are you gonna throw in 90 degrees at some point? <laughs> hey, don't challenge me, Jerem. Do not challenge me. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Oh, Shoemaker pops, throws, intercepted! They'll give it to the freshman, L.J. Martin. Slovis dies for the end zone, he's got it! Defense wins the night, that is for sure, in game number one for BYU football. First shutout over an FBS opponent since 2012. 11 years. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. You know the drill on a Monday, even on a Labor Day, a holiday. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is joining us for a loaded Maddich Monday because college football and BYU football, more importantly, are underway. Trevor? Happy Monday. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day after a full weekend of college football. How are you feeling after watching not just BYU, but getting your first taste of the real, real deal here in week number one of college football? What an exciting opening weekend. I mean, Colorado shocks the college football world with that win over TCU. Wyoming. <laughs> Wyoming shocks the football world, college football world with that win over Texas Tech. I mean, it was, it was an exciting opening. And BYU's defense was it running around, flying around, attacking. All that adds up to an exciting opening weekend. Okay, our primary question in what's trending in the previous block was a uh, bigger deal. Shut, a shutout or 14 points by the offense? What do you think? I think they're equally a big deal for opposite reasons. I mean, the defense played like we haven't seen them play in a long time. I mean, whatever was going to happen, they were going to attack, and they did. It's not that they blitzed all the time, and they didn't. But when the running backs came towards them, they attacked downhill. They attacked the blockers, where in years past, we saw them sort of wait and catch the blocker and sort of hug up the running back. No, no, they were attacking. Defensive backs attacked the receivers and attacked the football. You know, so I, th I thought there was a, a great excitement on the defense, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I'm very worried about the offense because the offense was the opposite of attack. I don't mean just, you know, from play-calling standpoint. I mean just the way they played, especially the offensive line. It was uh, really disappointing to see how softly the BYU offense played in this game. Trevor, the question is, how do you begin to change something like that, the mentality that goes into that, so that the offense does become more of an attacking mindset? Where do you begin to alter that? The offensive line, for the last several years, has had big, powerful, talented guys who basically sort of stand around. I mean, the offensive line the last couple of years, in my opinion, has been the biggest disappointment on this team, but they will continue to be until they're not. And you can see in this game a continuation of what's been happening where on a downhill running play, they'd take a step and they'd fit up with the defender they're supposed to block and they'll push him a little bit. And then, then the defender will kind of flow and they'll stop and they'll watch the play. Really? You know, I, watch Georgia. Georgia's offense line, there's one particular play in their opener this last uh, week where it was a bubble screen out to the left. 
but it was an RPO. So the offensive line was run blocking. And you saw the, the left tackle and the left guard just drive their men four or five yards downfield. And then the left guard didn't have anybody to block. So he turned around to see what was happening with the ball carrier, and he was being wrapped up by several defenders with others coming in. So instead of watching the play, he turned around and flew back towards his ball carrier and wiped out a guy that was coming in to add to the pile on top of him. Now, it was during the play, before the whistle, it was a clean and legal hit. But it spoke to a mindset. When you fire off the ball, strike somebody. Let me see that guy worry about you as an offensive lineman because you're firing off the ball so hard at him. And then when you lose your block a little bit, find someone else to block. Or when your guy starts to move, now's your opportunity to keep pushing him and pancake him, put him flat on his back. That's the mindset you have to have in the offensive line. And if the BYU offensive line were in a court of law charged with aggression, I don't think there'd be enough evidence to convict them. Frankly, I am really disappointed because they are too big and too powerful and too talented to stand around and watch plays and to fit up like a wide receiver walking on a bubble screen instead of firing off and driving people as best they can. Trevor, I wish you would have an opinion on this program. Uh, five minutes <laughs> yeah. left in the third quarter, LJ Martin comes in and he gets six carries on that drive. He has 91 yards in essentially the last 20 minutes of this game. What did you see from LJ, and did something change on the offensive line? The offensive line did. You could see that there was a point in the second half when they just started running the ball, just run, 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 run. And I think it was just a matter of, hey, whether it was from the coaching staff, you guys got to take over, or whether it was from the line themselves who you know talked to the play calling brain trust, Aaron Roderick, et cetera, and said, we need to take over. And I hope it was the latter because that's the mindset that they need in order to start to turn this around up front. So the blocking was better. The holes were bigger for L.J. Martin than they were for the other guys in the first half. And Martin, for for his part, he was terrific. I mean, he had good vision. He, he hit the holes hard. He ran hard. But he did have better holes to run through. So maybe that's a spark that we'll see. But, again, it's not just a matter of for the offensive line, you know, fitting up with their guy and then kind of pushing them something. No, I want to see them fire in the guys. I want to see them drive them, and I want to see them drive them into the ground if they can, mm. every time before the whistle legally so there's no penalty. I want to see opponents fear facing the BYU offensive line and those big BYU running backs because it's been many years, several years at least, since any defensive front has feared playing this offensive line. As a matter of fact, they've liked it because they don't get a bruise, and often they don't break a sweat. So let's change that. Trevor Maddich bringing it on a Maddich Monday National Championship Center for the Cougars, a 1984 ESPN college football analyst. Keaton Slovis has taken a little bit of heat over the weekend because of the offensive woes. But when you look at the quarterback and how he played with play calling uh, considered and the offensive line here, which is you know under the microscope in this conversation as well, how much of this falls on Keaton Slovis's shoulders, and what can he do to offer his spark for the offense? Well, he, he, he wasn't Keaton Slovis, and he'd be the first to tell you that. He missed some opportunities. Some of that was that his top two receivers were out and getting used to some of those younger guys in a game speed in terms of where they're going to be when he lets that ball fly. It takes a little bit of time because you can't really simulate a game in practice the way you really need to. It needs to be in a game to get that done. 
And so, you know, I, I don't worry about Keaton Slovis. I think he's going to be just fine. And as he gets to know his guys, he'll know what to do with them. I'd like to see them use them in a more creative way. You know, there was a, a third and long, and they threw a bubble screen out left to Isaac Rex. Now, I love Isaac Rex, but he's 255 pounds. He's not that lightning quick guy who catches the bubble screen behind the line and then darts past the wide receiver's blocks and with speed beats the inside pursuit and so he can convert third and long with his legs. That's not Isaac Rex. You want to throw him the ball on third and long, get him downfield so he can do a jump ball. So things like that were kind of head scratchers for me. I don't know if that was, um, you know, game plan essentially or intentionally. I don't know if, if Keaton Slovis kind of checked to certain things. I mean, these are things that I don't know. Uh, but I know there were some real head scratchers, and it was it was. Um, I expected the receivers, and and Isaac Rex, who had two catches, including that little bubble screen, uh, and Keaton Slovis to be more effective against this Sam Houston defense. And so the the offensive line, I'm, I I don't I don't know what they're going to be this year. Keaton Slovis, I'm very confident will get things together, and he's a great leader. He's an outstanding passer. He's shown to be very accurate when everything is running right, and I think Slovis will get this running right. They certainly have an opportunity against Southern Utah this Saturday, then at Arkansas and into Big 12 play. Defensively, a shutout, which is tremendous against anybody. Three takeaways, only 185 yards allowed. What was the biggest difference from last year to what we saw in game one defensively? In a word, fun. <laughs> There's only one way for defenders to have fun, and that's to go hit somebody, to go dictate to the offense. Defenses hate being in a read and react mode where, okay, the ball snapped, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see where the ball's going, and I'm going to flow to the ball, and then when the ball gets to me, then I'm going to try to make the tackle. No, no, no. No, deep, defenses love to come downhill to attack to shock the blocker, to swarm the ball carrier, and you saw that mindset in this game. And note, as you go back and look at the highlights, how often uh, a play was made just to tackle. It wasn't like a massive interception or something like that, just a, a tackle. And the defenders were fired up and jumping around and swarming each other and congratulating each other, just having fun. And on defense, the only way to have fun is to attack and to dictate to the offense. Now, there's things that need to improve for the BYU defense. But I thought in the, in the first time out with this Jay Hill scheme, and Jay Hill mindset. I, I loved watching this BYU defense play. Now, Trevor, quickly, what are some of those things that you feel like could be shored up and, and cleaned up on the defensive side after a, a performance where you shut out an opponent? Yeah, well, they got behind the line a lot, and they caused a lot of uh, havoc and trouble behind the line. They only had one sack, and that was Tyler Batty. And this was a, a day when Sam Houston threw 33 times. And they only managed the sack. Now, I'm not very good at math, but I think that's one out of 33 attempts. So that's the ratio uh, for sacks. And so I, I think without blitzing, they still need to do a better job of, of beating a pass protector and getting into the backfield and bringing the quarterback down. But I saw guys getting behind the line more in this game, and I think the sacks will come. Certainly it was an eventful week in the Big 12 as well. You mentioned uh, you know the big upset where Texas Tech gets beat. Baylor getting beat by... Texas State, TCU at home loses to primetime and Dion in Colorado. Uh, what do you make of the Big 12 in week one? I thought the Big 12 was was interesting. You know, I, <laughs> I am surprised about Texas Tech, although, as we all know, playing at 7,000 feet in Laramie, Wyoming, is, is a shock if you're not used to it. The coach for Texas State 
is the former coach at Incarnate Word, who's one of the most brilliant offensive minds in all of college football. This is his first year at Texas State. So that was kind of a, a, a trap game um, for the Big 12. I like it that all four newcomers won and looked good. Um, I like it that Oklahoma performed so well. Mm. Now, once again, they didn't play a, a real tough opponent, but what impressed me was not the offense putting up 10 million points. What impressed me was that the defense was aggressive up front and the the corners on the edges did a great job covering man behind all that because that's what Coach Brett Venables wants to have happen. He wants his guys to cover down so he can be creative attacking up front. Last year, they didn't do either very well. In this first game against a lesser opponent, so far so good. So at the top of the Big 12, things are looking like we expect them to look. Trevor, can I just reemphasize how great it is to have you back every Monday and the college football is back? We're so lucky to have you, and we appreciate the insight. It's great to have you on this program once again. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me back. And for anybody who's offended by my uh, disappointment with certain aspects of the BYU offense, I would just suggest this very gently. Get over it and fix it. <laughs> I love the passion. Trevor, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks. Oh, yeah. We need a BYU offensive lineman to tell us how he feels, and he yes. felt like they can do more. And so they'll get a chance again against SU, and then guess what? Arkansas is going to be tough as CD line, man. That's, uh, yeah, we're, we're 13 days away from that little test. And in the league, man. Okay, mm -hmm. after further review, it's going to break down what happened as well. Coming up Tuesday night, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. The Clash of the Cats, they're calling it, with a K. Okay. <laughs> AFR, tomorrow night, BYU TV app. Up next, BYU basketball with some massive news hey. over the weekend. They sign a big-time player, four-star guy, top 50 ESPN guy from Kansas, and then Gonzaga, now he's in Provo. What do we think about the addition of Marcus Adams Jr.? This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day. Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. If you missed our conversation with Trevor Maddich, you should absolutely go back and listen to it. It was full of heated opinions. Wow. To say the least. He was hot. Welcome back online. to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Now, before we get to today's headlines, Jerem, really quickly, uh, I said, tell me who were the first three guests were on our first ever show. Someone remember? We've had a number of people yeah. tweet in. Yeah. Uh, they were Jamal Williams, mm -hmm. Robert and I, and Tom Holmo, the yeah. athletic director. Those are the yeah. first three guests that we had live. We There's balanced a out Jamal and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting the terrible take juxtaposition Spencer. right there now we get to today's headlines BYU football beat Sam Houston 14-0 Saturday night Keen Slovis 20 of 33 145 two rushing touchdowns in his BYU debut LJ Martin 16 carries for 91 yards all in the second half the new look BYU defense didn't give up a point, allowed 185 yards and had three takeaways. The Cougars play Southern Utah Saturday afternoon. How about this news? BYU men's basketball and head coach Mark Pope signed Marcus Adams Jr. Yeah! A four-star transfer who had a stop at Kansas, then a very brief stop at Gonzaga before ultimately landing in Provo. He has applied for a waiver to be eligible immediately if he is granted that. This is big time for the Cougars as they push into the Big 12. Number seven women's soccer beat Utah Valley 6-1, led by two goals from EB7, Aaron Bailey. Goals from Brecken Mozingo, Ellie Walbrook, Allie Fryer, Ellie Boren. Cougars play at Utah Saturday. And in the top drawer uh, soccer, 
Docker, what is that? I don't know. Poll this morning. It's presented by Dockers. Buick <laughs> moves up to number three. Let's see what United Soccer uh, Coach's poll says as well. That's big time. Right? Top three team, holy cow. Number nine, BYU Women's Volleyball sweeps UC Davis in a Oh, Yonner on Saturday, led by Aaron Livingston's 12 kills. I got another Terra Classic. Quick to go to football. Yeah, uh, they made quick work of UC Davis. Whitney Bauer and Whitney McEwen Larinus were named to the all-tournament team with libero Kamile Hiapo honored as the tournament MVP. Well Super deserved. Super rare to have a libero win. She is MVP. so good, dude. Yeah, so good. Next up for the Cougars, a trip to Pullman, Washington, for a showdown with the other Cougars at Washington State's Cougar Classic, beginning with the matchup against Towson on Thursday. Men's tennis fall schedules out, featuring seven tournaments across seven states, starting September 22nd at Air Force, ending November 3rd through the 4th at ACC Future School SMU, all under new head coach Zach Warren. The men's tennis fall schedule out, featuring seven tournaments. Oh, you just mentioned that, sorry. Chris Wilcox, I apologize. NFL News has signed with the Los Angeles Chargers practice squad. So that makes 15, so Tomasi Lalile was released by the Denver Broncos. Yes. There are 15 guys on 53-man rosters and then a handful of guys on practice squads. Really solid, Jim. Yep. Those are today's headlines. Let's opinionate in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Tell me how big the news is with Mark and Marcus Adams Jr. From it, de Mentu. it depends on if he gets his eligibility or not. If he gets the waiver and he can play this year, then it's it's... That, it's big, Jerem, yes, but then it becomes huge if he can play immediately because BYU needs somebody right now to step in. Two available scholarships right now. He takes one of those. Hopefully they can utilize that scholarship to have someone play this year. It's huge regardless. He class reclassified. He was class 24. He's in 23. To get a guy of this skill is a huge get for BYU men's hoops. Massive. If he can play, even better. Mm. Will BYU women's volleyball be the highest-ranked Big 12 team in the ABCA poll this week because they keep winning and Texas lost? Texas has lost twice now. Uh, they played Stanford at home and lost. And so, yes, BYU will be the top-ranked women's volleyball team out of the Big 12 this week. Now, certainly Texas, I would say on paper, is a better team than BYU still. But pretty cool that BYU continues to win and will be the highest-ranked Big 12 team. Yeah, wow. So maybe BYU climbs up to 7 or 8, and then Texas is probably close behind. Yeah, right for behind. For sure, right behind. Yep. Uh, Navy on Navy on Navy is the uniform choice this week. Okay. Do you like the look? I call it the Ken Niamata look. I... <laughs> I'm okay with it. it okay I, with it? I'm okay with it. I, I'd rather have, like, I don't mind the Navy helmets and the Navy jerseys, but I do like a little bit of contrast. So maybe the white pants I'd throw in there. Or I like Navy helmets, white jerseys, Navy pants. I'm I, not I think very, that's a clean look. I'm not very picky with this stuff. I think it looks great. I, I love the variation of it. And uh, I'm excited week to week to see what BYU rolls out. So I'm, I'm not... Uh, Overly concerned about it, I think it looks great. And frankly, if BYU dominates Southern Utah and the offense looks better and everything's good, then yeah, great, awesome. I would We're take all points on offense more, more than any unit combo. Your buddy and my buddy, all our buddies, Sean Farnham, well-known to BYU fans and a well-known fan of Cougar Tales, is featured on the new Cougar Tail bag and wants some NIL money for it, Jerem. He said... He tweeted this during the show. Today. My love of BYU Cougars Cougar Tail is well noted, but use of image on this? Where is my NIL <laughs> at Jerem Jordan? Uh, Sean, why didn't you tweet at Spencer too? Uh, why just me? <laughs> Sean, uh, next time you come to town for a game, or if you don't, we'll bring you in. We'll come uh, show you how the Cougar Tails are made. You can, uh, you can have all that your heart desires. Yes. Or your stomach. 
Yeah, the name image Sean, like this love deal. A good cougar tail. Let's the go. NIL deal there is that you just can have as many cougar tails as you want. Yeah. Okay. Let's say, when you're in town and you come, you can get, yes, yes. We haven't talked to the powers that be about this at all, but we we'll make think that we happen. can promise. We will make that happen. <laughs> all right. Okay, tune in to BYU Football with Kalani Satake tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. As they recap, Sam Houston talk about Southern Utah. You can find free tickets on BYUSN.com. A very busy weekend around the Big 12 with, as we documented in the Trevor Maddish interview, a ton of upsets. We'll recap the weekend with our Big 12 Roundup. After the break, this is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Keep the boy band theme rolling. We want you back. Oh, my God. Are you going to throw in 98 degrees at some point? <laughs> hey, don't challenge me, Jerem. Do not challenge me. <laughs> we are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. You want to start a boy band? <laughs> I've always wanted to do, what was it, Psych? They did, a, they did a, like a full musical episode. The oh oh no no or it was, was Scrubs it? Scrubs it was Scrubs I've always yes. thought we should do a musical episode <laughs> it would take so much work that we're not willing to put it it's true summer project no no it's not happening <laughs> and say goodbye to vacations yeah. if that summer project came nah. into play all right uh, enough of that let's get to a dude who I jokingly said is tearing up the hearts of opposing offenses because he's been so good whether at Weber State and now one game into his BYU career Eddie Heckard is the real deal for Jay Hill's defense in that cornerback's room. I spoke with him yesterday to discuss what a shutout meant to the BYU defense in game number one, and why is it that he feels so confident every snap he lines up across from opposing offenses? This is Eddie Heckard on BYU Sports Nation. Eddie, how would you explain your first experience as a BYU football player under the lights of Lavelle Edwards Stadium? I think it was great. I think, uh, well, I know it was great. I, me and Cameron were reflecting on it in the, after the first drive, hearing the crowd, seeing the crowd coming out was crazy. And just how uh, into the game they are the whole game. Like, I think that was a, a big thing. I think that was something we weren't used to. And I wasn't ready for that. I was at least expecting, like, oh, it's going to be loud in the beginning and then it's going to die out. But every Every drive on defense was loud, and it was hard to communicate. What's that like for you as a player as you go through the Cougar Walk and you see the reception from so many BYU fans, and then it's coupled with what you were just talking about, the atmosphere through the game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Yeah, even the Cougar Walk. like That's what really got me ready, getting off that bus, seeing everybody, seeing how many fans. It looked like a parade. (laughs) <laughs> like the Martin Luther King parade in Las Vegas. So that's, that's what it reminded me of. I was, I mean, just seeing that many people going for you, that motivates you to do better. It was like they were holding me to a standard and I was ready to play. A parade for Eddie Heckard, especially if uh, the defense keeps playing the way you guys play. And uh, I saw you with several members of your family after the game. Um, celebrating and kind of taking in the moment. What was that like for you, and what were those conversations like? Uh, they were they were talking about the atmosphere as well. They, I mean, of course, they said good game and how did I like it. I was just, I mean, 
we we reflected on the crowd, how loud it was, because this is their first big time college football game as well. So uh, we both were like just soaking in the moment and taking it in, and just living in it. That was a crazy atmosphere. That's what we liked about it. Yeah. Can't wait for five more of them. You got it. Outstanding. Eddie Heckard is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Do any members of your family ever critique how you play? Like, is there is there like an uncle or a cousin or a brother that's like, hey, bro, your footwork was messed up over here or you didn't have the right leverage? Do they critique you that way? Yeah. So I got two people <laughs> that critique me. Uh, my uncle, he he's watching me every play. He watched me on punt return. No. no on defense, on kickoff. So he's he's critiquing me, but his like he's just asking me why I did something more or something like that. Not necessarily telling me what I should have did, but I got uh, a big brother named Tim that I sent all my film to. He's a high school football coach that played college football as well. Same position, taught me a lot. Any play I send him, whether it's good or bad, he's critiquing me. So that's why I still send it to him because I know like, it's not just gonna be a yes man and tell me I'm doing good. It's always yeah. helping me get better. Or like, if even if it's a perfect rep or something, I could have did better. So sometimes I gotta kind of ignore him, but most of the time it's it's, <laughs> it's good for me. I love that, uh, Eddie. As you reflect on a shutout in game number one, what does that mean to this BYU football defense to do that in a season opener? Um, it means a lot. Uh, it it shows us we can trust Coach Hill, but I think most of all, it's like that was a team accomplishment because, like, even the offense getting to midfield and pinning them back deep, and like, even though we didn't get points on that drive, having them start within the ten yard line, they contributed to our shutout as well. So I think it's more of a defensive stat. It's more of a. I mean, it's. More than the defensive status, a team stat, mm-hmm. offense, defense, and special teams. So uh, I know the defense is receiving all the credit for it, but I, I want to thank the offense for even getting the ball to the 50 every time and making them, making Rico go crazy on those punts. <laughs> now, that's a team player response, Eddie, and I can appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is the most important thing that you and this BYU team learned after watching film and, and reviewing Saturday night's win over Sam Houston State? Um, well, we're going to meet later today, uh, and we're going to probably f- find out more from the coaches who are the professionals in this. But, uh, I mean, just from everybody assessing the game after, I would say, like, we know we – like we won like i mean we we got to be happy with that and that's all it was about like i mean rather it was 50 to 0 or 14 to 0 we won when we did what we had to do and i think it was a dominant performance i mean we beat them every everywhere so it's hard to be it's hard to be picky after a shutout obviously but right. i know you're i mean if you're sending film to people and asking them to critique it i know that you're you're very hard on yourself so in your opinion, just from your performance, is there anything that you look at and say, ah, I could have done that better? If so, what is that? Uh, just probably getting to getting to the ball more. Uh, I feel like all my man coverage reps were pretty good. Uh, getting to the ball faster. Uh, let me 
probably not giving up on that trick play. Like knowing that they needed a big play, they threw a trick play at my guy. I had bad eyes. But uh other than that, it got called back, so it doesn't count. But other than that, <laughs> I feel like I, I had a I had a pretty good game. Um, but when, when coach, other people see it different, so coaches are probably gonna tell me what uh what more I could have did. Maybe it's pad level or mm. something different that they're gonna coach me on. So yeah. At any point, did you give Malik Moore a hard time about dropping a potential interception? Nah, because I dropped one too. <laughs> I dropped one too. I just needed I wanted to grab an extra stat, so a pass deflection and then got my interception later. Okay. So, yeah. Hey, yeah, just spread out the stats, equal distribution. I, I, I'm on board for that. Uh, what do you know about Southern Utah's offense at this point? Uh, maybe you've watched a little bit of their game against Arizona State, but what do you think they're going to try and do against BYU? Uh, I think they're going to be aggressive. They're going to try to attack us. I mean, I see they had a good game against Arizona State. Uh, so they're going to come in knowing they can compete with a bigger uh, a power five opponent. Um, and they've played BYU before. A lot of those players on the team, I believe, I played them before. I know they're not just any pushover team. We got to take them serious, just how we take any other top Big 12 opponent series as well. Eddie Heckert is on BYU Sports Nation. Now, I know you of all people can appreciate and understand what it's like to be an FCS team and go and beat an FBS team. So if you were to share some advice with your teammates this week as they prepare to get set for the Southern Utah team, what would that be? Oh, just respect the game. Um, no matter who's in front of you, I mean, you should have a mindset to dominate that person, do your job, and help your team win. Uh, that that FCS player isn't that far from their talent level. I mean, I just think it's, it's D1 football at the end of the day. And I know from my experience, every time I've uh, every time I've uh, played an FBS opponent, I felt like I was better than the person I was playing against. So it wasn't nothing, nothing I wasn't ready for. Oh, championship mentality! I love it, Eddie. It's always great to catch up with you. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma so you can take that and go and continue to dominate against the Thunderbirds this weekend. We'll talk again soon, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. Jerem, 98 degrees said it best. I do cherish you, Eddie Heckard, nice. for what you bring to BYU football. Question is, yeah. are the cornerbacks right now, knee-jerk reaction, one game, but are the cornerbacks the best position group on the BYU defense right now? The way they played in game one? Yeah. The way, like, just going off what we saw in game one. Yeah. Linebackers were good, too. Don't get me wrong. But Jacob Robinson's 90.5 coverage grade, 90.3 overall, was fourth best in, a, in uh, all of Wild. FBS. Okay. Eddie Heckard was tremendous as well. Didn't get a good PFF grade. Uh, okay. You know, again, it's not everything. It's, it's like, one eh. metric. But Eddie was really good in that game. Like, really good. And then the backers, uh, I thought, played really well. AJV also. is the real deal, Jerem. He's really good. Max truly had seven solo tackles, by the way. Uh, ben Bywater was all over it. Uh, Camden Garrett. Four solo tackles as well. Remember, he's coming in as kind of the nickel guy, a third corner in situation. So it was good, man. And those guys played a lot of snaps. Like, they all played between 47 and 61 snaps. And there were, um, you know, 67, 
or there were 57 total defensive snaps. That means they got a couple on special teams. Yes. They were on the field a lot. We did not see that line change thing again. Yes. I give the slight edge to the cornerbacks, Jerem, just because you can do so much more with the defense when they are locked in. You can yeah. send all types of pressures because you trust your guys on the outside, especially the field corner. I mean, Jacob Robinson, they kept throwing at Jacob Robinson. I'm like, keep keep trying. Go ahead. Whatever. And they, listen, he's going to get beat. People are going to score on him. But he's picking off passes. He's batting down balls. He's making plays. We've seen this uh, the last three years now. I mean, he had a, he's had, what, five picks in the last three years? So let's go. BYU Football with Kalani Stocky returns tonight. Center Paul Miley will join the program to recap Sam Houston, preview the afternoon tilt with Southern Utah. Tonight, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Free tickets on BYUSN.com. You know this Travis Hunter guy at Colorado that's playing wide receiver and defensive back? Yeah, Special dude. player. Yeah, dude. Got us thinking. Is there a BYU football player who we think could play both offense and defense? Who's your two-way player? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. A big weekend for women's volleyball, soccer, and the non-conference schedule is out for women's hoops as well. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Friday, September 8th, wherever and however you're connected. Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton alongside longtime Geno Smith fan, Jerem Jordan. You know what? I didn't believe in Geno a long time ago, but uh, after last year, setting a bunch of Seahawks records, the year <laughs> after Russ uh, didn't cook. I'm, I'm in, man. Uh, excited. Hopefully it means uh, another playoff performance uh, for the Seahawks, and we'll see, man. It was fun to watch the game last night. Came down to the wire. Lions upsetting the Chiefs, which was pretty crazy. Color me shocked. I, yeah. I, I can't believe it. Pre-game, Tony Dungy uh, called that one, which was wow. wild. So, yeah. No, it's, it's fun to have football back. I was explaining to my kids this morning, hey, on Thursdays there's some football games. Friday's high school football. Saturday is college football. Sunday's the NFL. Welcome, welcome to football. So they both have their Seahawks jerseys on okay. Navy today at school. You're indoctrinating them into the Seahawks Absolutely. fandom. It's, it's at- the religion and it's the sports. <laughs> okay. Of their own volition. Oh, very Eventually. Good. I had a moment where I thought I should wear my Joe Burrow jersey today because he's the highest yeah. paid player in NFL history yeah. now. Lunch on uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, old Joey B. Yep. Yeah, smoking that Joe, old Joe. Joe Cool. NFL football is back and it's great. But oh. you know what's the precursor to that? College football. We're into week number two. And for high BYU. school football yes. tonight. All rise and shout! It's time for what's trending. If this O line can establish the run game, it creates more manageable second and third downs. I mean, you know, a lot of downfield shots, we just got to find a way to connect on them. I've seen this offense be explosive before, and so that's the goal now. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. 14 points was the cap for BYU football against Sam Houston. They get an FCS opponent in Southern Utah. Understandably, their frustration mounts. Expectations remain high for BYU's offense. Keaton Slova said it best. we got to take our shots and hit them mm-hmm. in that soundbite you just heard. So, sure. Jerem, maybe it's Keaton Slovis. Maybe it's somebody else. But yeah. which BYU football offensive player do you expect to have the biggest 
bounce back game on Saturday. You know, he's a power five team now. They're going to play 10 power fives in a row. There's a certain amount of physicality associated with that. Uh, obviously, the quarterback position's the most important one, but I think Keaton Slovis' best friend is a good run game, and that starts with Aiden Robbins. I think Aiden Robbins needs to have mm. a bounce back game. Seven carries, 23 yards was not good enough. As good as LJ Martin is, and, and as the future of BYU football, uh, because who knows, Faden has a great year. He's probably gone. Dion's one and done here. Is that LJ Martin needs to be a great supplement to Aiden Robbins and Dion Smith. And so uh, we need to see a good game from Aiden Robbins. That doesn't need, need to be 100 yards per se, but I would like to see a high yards per carry. I would like to see success rate be good okay. on first Over and second. Over five yards a carry? Yes, absolutely. Conversion, I'd love it to be six in a game like this. Um, uh, how picky can we be after last week? I would like to see him get in the end zone. I would like to see him uh, run over a couple of guys. Mm -hmm. I would like to see third down conversions. It's that, like if he ran eight times for uh, 64 yards but had three of those 10-plus uh, and two others that were other first downs or something, that's the kind of production I'm looking for. Certainly if he goes you know, 15 for a buck 25 and two scores, yes, that'd be great. But uh, because of the balance that is required throughout the whole season, Aiden Robbins needs to be good, and it starts on the O-line. I mean, sure. I could say O-line, like we were talking about earlier, but Aiden Robbins is my answer. We need to see who he is. We need to see that 1,000-yard rusher from UNLV last year show up. Keaton Slovis, you mentioned, his best friend is going to be a nice running game because that will open everything else up, right? Totally. He just never was able to find a groove because no. the running game was not really going until AJ, LJ Martin found some space, yep. primarily in the fourth quarter. And at that point, it, we learned from Aaron Roderick, well, we're just going to hand the rock off to LJ, and, and we're going to salt this thing away and just get out of here. Yep, it's simple. Yep. We're just going to get out of here. We're not going to open it up and try and throw the ball. No, like we're, we're just going to keep it very simple and vanilla, finish out the fourth quarter with LJ, carrying the load there, and, and get out of here with a 14-0 win, which is what they did. So people look at Keaton Slovis' numbers, and rightfully no. so, we're like, wait a second. This is not the explosive offense that we heard about in, in all of training camp and from Kalani Sataki and from mm -hmm. A-Rod. This is a guy that's thrown for 10,000-plus yards in his career. Yes. And by the way, the 4.4, that's not per completion. That's per, per attempt. That's per attempt. Which is worse. Okay. 20 completions, 33 attempts, 145 yards. Now, if you take his 38 career starts yeah. and let's just make it an even number of 10,000 yards – that's 263 yards a game in the air. Okay, so I, I think he'll do better than that against Southern Utah. I think that BYU should give him the opportunity to open it up more than that. This is a symbiotic relationship between the running game and the offensive line, and now BYU can go to play action, and Keaton's got more time and more options because the defense is guessing. But 300 yards is kind of where I set the expectation for Keaton Slovis in game two against this opponent. And I don't think that's too crazy. 38 starts, 10,000 yards against everybody he's played, mostly Power 5 competition. Yes. 263 a game. So I think we're going to see a bounce-back performance from Keaton Slovis. It's not going to be – I'm not I'm saying, like, oh, he should throw for 400 yards. I'd, no. rather, I'd rather run for 200 and pass for 200. But also in this game, I would like 500 yards. So I would – I would like a 200-300 thing. 
But let me see at least Rush 275 pass. yards in the air from Keaton Slovis. I, I feel like he's due for that. I, that's what I'm expecting. I yep. think he's going to be the guy that has the bounce-back performance, and he's going to throw his first touchdown as a BYU Cougar, yeah. not run for two when he had zero rushing touchdowns in his career until last week. We don't need Keaton Slovis running the ball against SUU. You need to keep this guy healthy. You don't need that to win in this game. His rate, passer rating was 97.5. That was terrible. Like, he needs to be in this game. In the 160 plus range, he yeah. needs to he needs to have a good, efficient game. There need to be some explosive plays down the field. We need to see BYU push it because, like, if BYU can't do it against Sam Houston and SU, there's some real concern. You're not going to do it against Arkansas. Why would you do it against a lot of other opponents? BYU needs to open it up a little bit here, see some success, get some confidence, and then then we can feel like, hey. BYU can compete with Arkansas next week. Yeah. I don't need a win against Arkansas. I need BYU to compete with Arkansas. And then you play Kansas. Then you play Cincinnati. And then you're in to it. You're in the Big 12 play. You know what? Seven yards per completion tells me. And 4.4 and yards per attempt tells me. There's just no explosiveness to the BYU offense. Not in game one there wasn't. Show us in game two. Like this yards per – like there need to be a few explosive plays that take that yards per completion up over 10 yards. Right, it's just like we need to see in a that. game like this. I want nine plus yards per attempt. We we gotta I, see. I need that. some stuff down the field. Topic two. It's time for game notes. Facts to share with your friends or family while you watch the game that'll help you sound even right. smarter than you already are. You are. Let's go. Okay. Six current BYU coaches have coached at Southern Utah. In fact, Fessy Sasaki played there as well. Kalani, Aaron Roderick, Fessy, Steve Clark, Justin Nenna, and Gennaro Guilford. These guys know what it's like to BSUU. There's no way they overlook them. No way. They will respect the opponent and respect the game. You bring up Fessy. He's an SUU legend. Yes, he, he is. Pointed out yesterday in the Post, 16 receiving touchdowns in his career at SUU. And he punted How about for that? SUU, too. Weird, right? Okay, did you know BYU has the longest win streak at five games of any current team in the Big 12? The next closest is Houston with a two-game win streak. Let's say more about the Big 12 or BYU. This is interesting. Did the Big 12 challenge themselves too much? Early in the season? Yeah, with Texas State and Wyoming. <laughs> Speaking of. Five-game win streak. The last time BYU had back-to-back shutouts, they're going for that, right? Oh, wait. David Nixon, Brian Keel and the gang against UCLA. Memorable performance there, 59 nothing in Wyoming. David had a pick six in that one. There's a second Wyoming reference on the show today. That's two. I'd rather win. <laughs> I'd rather lose, lose and live in Provo. in Provo than win and live in Laramie. Love Al Edwards. 15, you're going for back-to-back shutouts for the first time in 15 years. The BYU secondary, big part of that effort, mm-hmm. had three interceptions against Sam Houston, two by Jacob Robinson. One of them was a little iffy, but thanks to a camera angle, he kept that second one. The lack of the one. other was from Eddie Hecker. So BYU secondary had two interceptions in the entirety of the 2022 season. Wait a second, you're telling me BYU secondary had more interceptions in the first game this year? Then the what? entire season last year? It was all linebackers, right? Ben Bywater, Max Tooley in the game. That is wild to that me. Is, that is wild. Hey, keep it up. The defensive back's doing their thing. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah. nice to see them break out a little and bit. most in a game since 2019 against new Packers starting quarterback Jordan Love in Utah State. How about that? Go. That was a drop eight game, by the way. That was a drop eight game. LJ Martin's 91 rushing yards. Most rushing yards by a true freshman in all of the FBS last weekend. Most since Jamal Williams in 2012 by a true freshman. And BYU Statsman said it was the most by a freshman in their debut in BYU history. Nice. LJ making history on a couple of accounts. Wow. Very well done. Uh, he wasn't the only guy to make his, you know, debut. 
There were six others that joined LJ. BYU started seven players on offense that made their respective debuts. LJ's not a starter per se, yeah. but how about seven different players making their debut? And may maybe that's why we need to be more patient with this thing. It's like, okay, yeah, bunch yes, of new guys. Yes and no. It, yes. No Keanu, no Cody Epps. Yes, because, hey, it's seven. No, because it's Sam Houston and you're at home. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it was it was slowest, Robbins, Etienne, Waylon, Miley, probably Lassiter, and uh, Marion. Yeah, those Keelan, are Keelan, those are the seven right there? Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of new moving parts. Yes, and, but so experienced. Like, all these guys started at their other schools. But gelling is taking longer than we thought. Okay, experience. This is Keaton Slovis' 40th career game, 39th start, as you mentioned. Max Tooley's 50th game. But the most games by any BYU player is A.J. Bungpachan. 51st game. There's a lot of experience, especially among the line. That dude's legit. AJV, man. Good player. He is special. I really like his game. If and I'm him, shows. I, I don't miss the Scotsman. I'll tell you 51 that. 51 games played a lot. for AJ Bonkertum. Six players in this game have switched teams. Yeah. This is the new era of college football in large part. But four from Southern Utah to BYU, yep. two from BYU to Southern Utah. Just six players have switched schools between these two schools. Yes. Just That's nuts. Just between the two schools. Uh, Matava Tase, which is, by the way, how he say, says his name. I just realized that uh, in, in this morning when I did some study. He is kind of the number one guy from BYU that is used. Uh, you, you might remember Dean Jones. He's down uh, down in Southern Utah as well. Okay, Southern Utah quarterback Justin Miller. Very experienced. Tall dude, pocket passer, third all-time in program history for passing yards. Okay. And touchdowns. He only completed eight passes against Arizona State to have this touchdown we're showing. So didn't didn't get a lot done in the pass game per se. Did have a 52-yard completion uh, in the game to Isaiah Wooden. So there was some explosion there a little bit, but BYU uh, is he's not a run threat. So it's sort of a different dynamic than Keaton, Keegan Shoemaker last week that they were afraid was going to run. You know, let's keep this with the Southern Utah theme here because, yeah, they're bringing experience with Justin Miller, but this is a program that's starting to find its footing. They're a little bit on the rise. Okay, keep in mind, the five wins last year in Delane Fitzgerald's coaching debut in Cedar City was the most since 2017. This, this program has been mired below mediocrity, and yeah. then here comes Coach Fitzgerald, and they win five games. They're looking to have a winning record this year. They feel like they're capable of doing that in the newly formed United Athletic Conference, a merger of the Atlantic Sun and the WAC. Yeah, no more WAC football. So BYU still holds all the records there, uh, which is the good news. Now, that's great for Southern Utah. Uh, that doesn't matter in this game. Uh, BYU should win this game, but they're getting better. And in the post-Edlam era, there was a bit of a dip now they're coming out of it. So this is not a North Dakota State, uh, App State as an FCS, James Madison, frankly, even Sam Houston situation. This is this is a game where BYU should take care of business, but but you look at last week and you go, give ASU a game. Better show up. And these former SU Thunderbirds get it. So I, I fully expect BYU to come out and win big. It's just, it's more than just about score too. Like we've highlighted. Yes, there needs to be a certain amount of points, certain margin, da da da. He's got to play a certain way. We've got to feel good coming out of this game, Spence. Or I don't feel like there's going to be any way that BYU suddenly goes to Fayetteville and challenges or even beats Arkansas. So this is an important game that will tell us a lot about where BYU's at through only two games, but it's your two easiest games of the whole season. The two things I expected going into last week's game against Sam Houston were energy and precision. 
I saw moments of energy, not enough. And I certainly, didn't, I certainly did not see precision on offense. What we didn't see was that the defense would be this good. It was quite tilted. We thought, hopefully the defense plays well, has a good showing, less than 17. No, 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 they put up a donut. Like, it, was, it wasn't a perfect defensive performance, but it was pretty close, bro. Energy and precision on offense. You're speaking of the means to this. Yes, the process. Projected victory for BYU tomorrow. Our question of the day is the following. Which BYU player, an individual, will have the biggest bounce-back game in Week 2 against Southern Utah? Jordan Long answers on X. It's got to be the O-line. Okay, so he's grouping them together, mm -hmm. an individual group. Yeah. The cool thing with that, though, is it will lead to Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins also getting to bounce back. If Keaton and Aiden have great games, you first need to acknowledge the offensive line. We all need to do that. And I expect a monster performance from those guys. I expect Kingsley Suamataia to be even better. He had, what, was it two holding calls? Um, there were other plays where he was great, but, like, that was tough for a first-round projected guy against Sam Houston. He's really good. I expect him to be awesome. I expect BYU to be able to establish that line of scrimmage way better. BYU for Trey on X answers Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins. Okay. People have a hard time Pop sticking with just one. Popular pick. <laughs> popular pick. One. <laughs> Those two are so much better than they showed against Sam Houston. Yep. 300 yards passing for Slovis and 100 yards rushing for Robbins are the expectation with BYU for Trey. High expectations. This is the easiest game to do that if it's going to happen. Okay, Michael Croxall on Instagram. Isaac Rex. Okay. I have a feeling he will be converting on third for the offense tomorrow. Okay, third down, throw him the ball, yep. get him down the field. Two catches for 15 last week. Not targeted a ton, not a lot of catches for Isaac. Granted, there, weren't that, there were only 20 completions, period, in the game. I never thought I'd see Isaac Rex catch a bubble screen, but we saw that last week. It went for three yards. On third and 14. Okay. Yeah, that's one where you're just waving the white flag. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, nobody else has got you with video for two hours before the game. That is BYUSN game day. Unique around the country. No one else is doing this. Boys get you one Eastern time ahead of the game on ESPN+. Plus, Live from Cougar Canyon and inside the stadium. Up next, the newest analyst in the booth for BYU Radio. Hey. He is former Cougar Hans Olsen joining us from the confines of his friendly office. Does he think the offensive line took too much heat from Trevor Maddich and the BYU fan base? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Back on track. That's the goal for BYU football's offense anyway. What kind of performance do the Cougars need to make everything feel right on offense? And BYU wide receiver Chase Roberts tells us why he is doubling down on a big performance from Keaton Slovis and company this weekend. Plus, the NFL returns tonight. Andy Reid and the Chiefs are in the spotlight. And super sub Aaron Bailey from women's soccer talks about being number one playing at Utah Saturday. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, September 7th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, a man who is mapping out the best way to beat SUU on Saturday. Now, Captain Butter, who is a huge BYU fan, his Twitter profile says he's invested a little too much in BYU mm -hmm, football. Mm -hmm. Yesterday did something unbelievable. He's a pilot. So, so he's flying his plane, and he, he, he flew in the BYU uh, Stretch White logo and spelled out beat SUU. <laughs> what? 
This is unbelievable. I said, had some time to kill on the plane today. Figured you guys might appreciate this. You got to log those hours. Unfortunately, the greatest thing that could happen during the BYU football season has now happened. There's nothing BYU can do to top this event. Oh, my gosh. This is one of the coolest things ever. I need Greg Short and all the other airplane pilots. I texted pilots. Greg. I have yet to hear back whether they, he, he can do this. I need, I need all pilots that may see this show at some point to tell us if this is actually a thing. Can you confirm that that actually happened? Because if it did, amazing. That's that's the uh, San Juan Islands, by the way. So Pretty <laughs> uh, cool, Ladies man. and gentlemen, we're going to have a slight delay on today's flight. Uh, if there are some sharp turns and twists <laughs> yeah. that you don't expect, don't mind those. All part of a bigger project. Uh, yeah, uh, shift happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jay Waite said, etch a sketch in the sky. Yeah, that's amazing. Etch a sketch in the sky. Yes. Holy mac. That's well played. All rise and shout. Let's fly to What's Trending. We have uh, high expectations on the offense as well. And a diving catch made. I've seen it before. Let's just get it back. We're going to be a really good offense this year. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. The key for the BYU offense this week, I think, is just to show that they are where we thought they would be in week one, to get back on track. Like anti-Dennis Miller... We are who they thought they were, and we let them off the hook. No, we're going to let them on the hook. All right. This week. So with that in mind, with BYU only scoring 14 points against Sam Houston and so what? much emphasis being placed on, well, what is the offense going to do to rectify this thing? How is Keaton Slovis going to look in game number two? Will these two best receivers be back in the lineup? And if they're not, how does the offense get going? Is the offensive line going to play better? I know Trevor Maddich cares a lot about that this week after what he said on Monday. Jeremy, in your opinion, what does BYU's offense need to do against Southern Utah for you to feel like, indeed, the offense is back on track? Score points, man. 40-plus. Got to get in the 40-plus range. Obviously, I'd love more, but you got to at least get to that number against Southern Utah. I would like to see 500 yards. I would like to see six yards of carry. I would like to see eight yards per pass. I would like to see 10-plus explosive plays. That is 15-plus yard pass, 10-plus yard rush. They had one, I am and one against Sam Houston, right? They had two. Two. I, uh, they had four rushes, two passes. I am, I am not holding this BYU offense to a different standard based on game one. I'm holding them to the preseason standard here of what I expect them to be. And uh, so I, I'm not – I'm basically chucking the Sam Houston game out a little bit. I'm going to ignore it a little bit because I think in this game, you got to – this is a confidence game. You, you, you've got to play well. You've got to win big. You've got to make some really nice plays. Like, if the BYU defense gave up, like, 21 in this game, but BYU got to 50, Great. I'd almost rather see that than an, another underwhelming offensive performance but a shutout. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if I, have to, if I have to emphasize one side of the ball, and I think we're all in on offense this week, the defense showed it did a really nice job, it will certainly be tested in a different way starting next week against Arkansas. But that's what I need to see. I'm not keeping the standard low. I need BYU to stay healthy, stay thirsty, and let's see some points, baby. To explain what I want specifically, let's examine the past of the BYU offense under the play calling of Aaron Roderick. You know what I want, Jerem? I want A-Rod's offense to do what he has done since he took over primary play calling in 2020, which has averaged 36 points a game and put up 465 yards plus per game. 
Look at the yards per play and yards per pass. Those numbers were not close last week. Under four yards per play in some regards. I mean, I, I want the BYU offense to look like the typical Aaron Roderick offense that has taken the field over the last three seasons. So, I mean, I don't think 36 points is too much to ask. I don't think 465 yards plus against Southern Utah's defense is too much to ask. And that's, a, that's on average against everybody. That includes all yes, the P5s. That's not that's so against, FCS opponents. Against Southern Utah, it should be way more. Well, let's examine that. Let's take a look at BYU versus FCS opponents again since Aaron Roderick has been the play caller. This is against FCS competition. They have scored almost 55 per game, 560 yards per game, 10.1 yards per pass, and 5.6 yards per rush. That, that is where you should be in a game like this. I know that Southern right. Utah might be on an uptick, and I like Coach Fitzgerald. I think he's a really good football coach, and he's got the guys motivated. This is an angry BYU team, and they should be, especially on offense, yeah. after hearing about how – not well they played against Sam Houston. They're, they should show up motivated and ultra-aggressive. Absolutely. So I would love to say, yeah, I expect 55 points. I don't. My no. expectations have been modified because of what we saw in week number one and some of the things we know that are happening and yeah. some injured receivers and whatnot. Yeah. But I do expect at least 36 points and at least 465 yards of total offense. I said that I haven't, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't adjust my expectation based on game one. Well, I totally did. I said 40. I would normally say 50 in this game, game if not more, right? Uh, and Kalani Sitake uh, has way more sportsmanship than I would. Um, he, he, would he pulls back the reins in the fourth quite a bit. The old BYU teams, like they would in the, in the third and fourth, they were still checking it quite a bit. Uh, Kalani was going to run the ball quite a bit uh, in this one. I'm interested to see not only the sort of outcome here, because there's outcome-based things that obviously in sports at this level, at this age, not for my 5- or 10-year-old, I don't care whether they win or lose, it's about the process, right? But there's a process element to this that is important for BYU. The, the struggle, you got to execute better on third down. And fourth down. Do not punt nine times. I want to see three punts in this game or fewer. The fourth down struggles continue, Jerem. One yes. for three against Sam Houston. Three and outs, four, no. You, like, we need to see Aiden Robbins run the ball well. That is really important in this game. If he struggles again, it's not, well, it's not going to happen. I just don't see it. But if he struggles again, there's some real issues there, right? Any kind of struggle on offense in any area after two games with one team that has played one game of, as an FBS and now another FCS, there would be massive concern, Spencer, going into obviously Arkansas, Kansas, Cincinnati, and so on and so forth. This is a really critical game for the offense to show everybody, including themselves and the fan base and us, who are they? What are they? Yes. Because these are the two easiest games on the schedule. I it's know. It's only uh, harder from here. So BYU's, I mean, there's some pressure to perform. They don't, like in the next 10 games, the offense and defense don't have to play well. They just need to win the game. Like we won't hold them to the same standard we are in these first two games. We are, we are, pulling back the, sur the, the screen a little bit and going, who is this team? They need to show us something Saturday. There's some pressure to do so. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because of the whole strange scenario of the tragedy surrounding Mata Taase. Like, that was terrible. Missing your top two receivers. It was game number one. All these new guys Aaron together. Aaron Roderick said it I was, asked Chase about that later. It was haywire on the offensive line. and like, They're not why? making the right blocks, and receivers well, are running the wrong routes. Like, yeah. 
I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because of game number one and the weird circumstantial things that were going on around the team. It's, it's time to show up now. If they don't in game two, then we have to reassess expectations. Yeah, 100%. Like if the BYU offense doesn't put up 30 plus, I might be like, I don't know, like is a bowl game gonna happen? How are you gonna outscore Big 12 teams? How are you gonna do that if you can't do it How against Houston? They're gonna win Sam at Houston Arkansas. But I expect BYU to show up. I expect BYU to play really well, to restore some faith and confidence uh, among people who, who talk about this. I talk about it with Chase. It's basically a, the, the following interview coming up with Chase Roberts is a PSA about why the offense is <laughs> Like, I, I sort of turned off the, like, neutral question asking, and it was more like, tell me why it's going to be fine. Like, let, let's talk about it. Yeah. So that's coming up. I had somebody ask me, how long is the leash for Keaton Slovis? And I was like, <laughs> infinite. It's infinite. No. It, it would take something, heaven he, forbid, he would have that to would throw prevent him from not seven, being able to throw a football 10 yes. yards down the field for him to not be the seven starter. Seven picks in a row. Keaton's going to be great on Saturday. Mark it down. Yeah. Save this for worst take Wednesday in the future if I'm wrong, but I'm not going to be wrong. He's going to be great on Saturday. If there are issues, we'll say there are issues. Come on now. Okay, topic two. Let, let's, let's specifically look at a few hypothetical scores and see if that is good enough. Producer Colton, hit us. Mm. All right, your first hypothetical score is BYU 30, Southern Utah 7. Okay. Is that good enough, Spence? A 23-point <laughs> win. I, I think that'd be good enough. It's, it's okay. I it's mean, not enough points, it, but, but winning by 23. And it depends and winning, on how BYU got 30. to 30. Let's say BYU scores 27 in the first half, and then Kalani not takes his enough. foot off the gas. Yes, not good enough. It's like, oh, they only kick a field goal, but they got a bunch of guys in the game. Southern Utah scores a garbage touchdown late. So let's say it's 27 to nothing the well into fine. the third quarter. Yeah. Like, I would be okay with this. I'm not going to say, yep, BYU's back on track. I, I told you what I need. I need at least 36 points. I need a typical Aaron Roderick production yes. performance from the offense. And that's against everybody. That's not FCS. Yes. 30, I need at least is, 36. I'm okay. It, it's bare, okay. I'm okay. It's, it's, barely, it's probably under. It's probably not good enough. 30 to 7. I like the 70, and the defense is done again, looking again. We're not looking at just this game. We're looking at what does this mean for the season, given yeah. Sam Houston, given this game. Like, there's, there's pressure. Okay. Well, what else you got, Cole? All right. The next score, BYU 42, Southern Utah 17. I'm totally okay with this. I'm 100% okay with because this. Because 42? BYU scores 42. Yep. And whatever, 17 points. Southern Utah scored 17 points. I, I would imagine that they probably got a late touchdown. Yep. It's probably 35 to 10 for, you know, into the fourth quarter. Did BYU they block another punt in return for a touchdown? Uh, like, is that how it happened? No, I'm, I am 100% okay with this. 42-17? I'd be just fine who, with that. Who is you know sounding I love an alarm the at 17. this? Who's sounding an alarm at this? Oh, how'd you give up 17? What? No. It's no. more about the offense in this game. Yes. The, the defense gave us a real um, inkling of what they could become. If BYU scores 42 points. That's enough. They have pushed 500 yards of total offense. Totally. And that will be a stark that, contrast that from the 200 enough. and what, 45 yards? Oh, no, so they had 265 it, they had 265 against Sam Houston, right? 257. Two, not even 265. Okay. <laughs> 257. It was bad. But if they score 42 points, they're yeah. pushing 500 yards yes. of total offense. That, that's enough. Like, and defensively, don't like that number per se, but I don't care as much about The pace that of the game. game is faster, too. Like, BYU has more possessions, which means so they score more. Southern Utah is going to have more chances. I thought that they cut down the clock. And no. by the way, the NCAA said that it's reduced the game time by two minutes. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, but no. Aaron, but Aaron Roderick and other uh, coaches have said, well, we, we, we're getting more plays in at tempo to make up for that. Well, for those, those plays. There are missing. ways to accommodate the rule change. Okay, do we have another okay, one? Colton Potter, what do you have for us? Have yeah, the next score, BYU 51, Southern Utah 14. Yeah. Does anyone, would anyone yeah, have no. an issue with this? This is typical BYU versus FCS score. Yeah, I, I would prefer like one score from Southern Utah. But again, it's about the offense. It's about the offense. Like 51, do we all just have this massive exhale as Cougar Nation? <sighs> Probably. Yes. If BYU scored points. 51 points on Saturday. Not a lot of touchdowns. We saw Aiden Robbins run the rock effectively. Deion Smith in the screen game. BYU's distributing the ball in the pass game. Let's go. Yeah. How sharp right does now. the offense look? And if you score 51 points, the offense did some great things. Yeah, you're looking super sharp. Keaton Slovis yeah. probably throws for at least 300 yards with that total right there. Okay, we need a sketchy one, okay? Colton, give us we the last one. kind of a weird one. 30-7 to 7 is a little weird. Well, BYU even... 20, <laughs> Southern Utah 0. <laughs> oh. okay. okay, the donut is awesome, no doubt. Yeah, we'd be like, oh, the defense oh, is the real. Defense. Shutouts back-to-back. 20 stinks. No. No. You have to score no. more than 20 points. Like, we'll, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Our expectations going into Arkansas will be... Can we score two touchdowns? Can BYU... <laughs> yeah. Can, can BYU... Is the defense good enough to, like, keep them within a couple of touchdowns of Arkansas? To stay within two scores? Yeah. This, w- this would be uh, the, the worst 2-0 start in BYU history. <laughs> like, if BYU wins 14... Best defense in the country! Eh, the schedule's oh, okay. soft at the front. You took care of business. That would not be enough. That was the perfect fourth scenario. Thank wow, you. 20 to nothing. Yeah, I love the shutout scenario. We had not seen those scores, by the way. We did not know. But it would be very, very hard to justify that things are yeah. okay going into Arkansas. Not week okay. If your offense has only scored a combined 34 points for the first two games. And what if one of those is a scoop and score? So the offense scored What's a, what, two yeah, touchdowns a, def- a defensive touchdown? You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah, no, BYU's got to have more than 20. 40-plus. 40 40-plus. 40 Let's go. Give me at least at least 36 points. BYU scored 37 last time they played Southern Utah. Like, give me at least 36 or 37. And that was kind of low, honestly. Let's In go. That was with Taysom, Jamal that was Williams Taysom Hill and Taysom Jamal Hill. Williams. Come on. Come on. I think Harvey Longy was rushing in that game. Our question of the day. What does BYU's offense need to do against Southern Utah specifically? 40-plus! For you to feel like the offense is back on track. At air underscore Gordon 12 from X says, most people say 40-plus points, and I'd assume that would come with this. But I just want to see the offensive line dominate and more pass completions in the intermediate to long range. There were three for 10, as we chronicled. Those seem to be the biggest issues against Sam Houston. With those fixed, 40-plus points shouldn't be hard. And you said two 15-yard pass plays. I only remembered one. Is that right? There were Yeah, it was two pass... Four rush. Two passes of 15 or more. Man, yeah. BYU's got to have more than that. BYU sure. did not have a 25-yard play in the game. Stonely Justin answers on Instagram. Nice. Clean pocket, create holes for the running backs to get to the second level quickly, average 5.2 yards per play. It's very specific. And put up more than 42 points. Is that 5.2 yards per rush? Because I, I want more than 5.2 yards per play. Yeah. I want closer to like 7 or 8 yards per play. Yes, per play last week, BYU's 3.8, by the way. They did not hit four. No. They didn't hit four yards per play. No. It's got to be way better than that. Yeah, 5.2 yards per rush I'm yeah, on board with. Listen, Chase Roberts expects big things. That's coming up. Uh, you'll tease in a sec. But uh, join the, the crew this Saturday for BYUSN game day. We'll get you ready two hours ahead of BYU and Southern Utah. Got a score! 
1 Eastern time on BYU TV. All right, Jeremy has adequately teased it. We're going to do a little bit more. Wide receiver Chase Roberts will join Jerem to go one-on-one -on -one and tell him why he is so confident yep. that the offense will have a big-time bounce-back performance on Saturday. This is BYU Sports Nation. Tell him, Chase. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Let's get to it and discuss some knee-jerk reactions, potentially. All rise and shout. Let's roll out what's trending. Glad we got the win. Guys, you got to smile. We got the win. So a lot of the offensive guys are not happy. Defensive guys are fired up because we got a shutout and got turnovers. Um, but I just want to make sure they know that we win and lose as a team. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. BYU, yes, did not look super sharp on offense. Managed 14 points in a 14-point shutout of Sam Houston. But naturally, because fans are going to fan, things start to look a little bit dramatic. And there were some knee-jerk reactions across the BYU fan base. So What'd you call me? <laughs> Calm yourself. <laughs> you knee-jerk. So, Jerem, looking back at week one, yeah. have your season expectations changed at all after BYU's performance against Sam Houston? Uh, not yet, no. Um, Am I concerned? Am I uh, highly aware? Am I watching closely what the offense will be doing in the next uh, couple of weeks? Absolutely. But uh, I'm not jumping to an offensive nuclear conclusion quite yet. Many have. Um, I still think 6-6 six and six in the regular season. That hasn't changed anything for me. Uh, SP Plus gave us some insight into kind of how BYU did. They had BYU's offense 68th. Now, I think that we all think it would have been like 130. Mm. It's like, no, they were worse. As, as bad as that was, you can look around, even in the league, and go, could have been Baylor. Lost to Texas State. Could have been Texas Tech. Yep. Lost to Wyoming. Like, there, there were bigger issues. Now, does it give us joy to look at the pain of others? It sure does sometimes, Spencer. <laughs> it sure does. Um, especially when Utah loses. But what real joy comes from doing your best, and BYU has not done its best yet, right? Uh, we didn't see BYU's best on offense. So uh, defense ranked 54th in SP+. I would have thought it was higher. It uh, was 54th, okay? I would have thought top 25. That's interesting. Um, special teams, 89. I was like, wait, didn't sorry, Ryan Rico sorry, just dominate? Like, what? Uh, that may take into account kick return, punt return, and so on. Um, no, everything's in front of BYU still. But if BYU scores in the 20s this week, mm -hmm. then we have an issue, okay? Uh, more panic will set in. But honestly, it's going to take, uh, obviously, Sam Houston and Southern Utah, you should put up points. And if BYU doesn't, put up points. I, and this week, honestly, I need to see 40-plus from BYU. I really do. If BYU's in the 30s, okay. that would be okay. But what is, why would we think that BYU would score less against Southern Utah than they will likely need in the Big 12 in a couple of games to win? That is the concern. That is the sort of, oh no, is this Portland State 2017 idea, right? Robert and I once told us that, uh, we said, how long does it take you in a season to feel like you know what you have? And he said, six games. 
six games to really to know what really you have. really know. Now, okay. now, with this team and this offense, we will have an indication of what is not there if they don't get to 30 points on Saturday. Okay. There is pressure on this offense to perform, but it's an FCS team. BYU is 17-0 against FCS. The average score is 48-10 in BYU history. Like, they should put up points this week. The last time these teams played, BYU won by 30, 37-7. You know, BYU scored 37 points. That was with T- Taysom Hill, granted. Even that was low. But we, we said after that game, oh, I thought they'd score a little bit more than that. Well, you know? when, uh, when it's 2016 and you're 9-4 and, and you're 12 points away from undefeated and you have an NFL backfield, yeah, you should score more than 37 <laughs> against SUU. But I, I tend to agree with you. Like, we should expect BYU to put up at least 30. In fact, Coach Fitzgerald in Southern Utah yesterday said, BYU's a way better team than Arizona State. He, yes. To, to yes. quote him, and, and I'm I paraphrasing. Have it. I have it okay? right You've here. got the, the exact quote. Go, B- go for it, though. Essentially, he said, BYU is way better than Arizona State. Like, if they play this week, BYU against Arizona State, the Cougars would win 28 nothing or 35 nothing, something to that extent. He yeah. said that BYU head-to-head yeah. is that much better than Arizona State, citing that because yeah. he said, we as a team need to be way better than we were against Arizona State because BYU is a much better squad they than ASU. Pre- they were pretty good. Uh, I mean, they only completed eight passes in the game. But they blocked a punt and returned for a touchdown and made it a game. And there was a two, two-and-a-half-hour delay at halftime. Uh, we don't expect the same team to show up against us on Saturday. They have good coaches. They're going to fix some problems. Uh, BYU is going to make their biggest jump of the year from week one to week two. So, oh, he said college football programs that are coached well. And BYU is make their biggest jumps week one to week two. We'll be ready. They'll be ready. Should be a fun game. A couple of things that I saw at practice yesterday when I was preparing to do that interview with Ethan Slade. One, Keanu Hill on the practice field getting some work in and essentially saying, I'll be back soon. Like, I believe that he's going to play against Southern Utah, and I believe he wants to just to have somebody out on the field that has significant experience in the BYU offense. I was thinking about it last night. Between Darius Lassiter, Keelan Marion, Keaton Slovis, Parker Kingston, how much, how much experience do they really have together at BYU with full game reps? Last just, week, there's just not a ton. I probably put too much stock into the idea that they were going to come out and be ready to roll because we've heard so much about right. chemistry and right. we heard from Aaron Roddick, the offense looks really good. Sometimes when you get into a game scenario and you get the game speed, it just it takes a minute and it, yeah. it can be sloppy. Like really the only person on that field that had played significant moments in BYU's offense last year in a skill position were Chase Roberts and Isaac Rex. And even then, Chase had his uh, couple he, games out. Yes, he played Isaac limited wasn't games. 100%. Yeah, so it was Connor Payne, Kingsley kind of leading the way, right? To, uh, you know, a couple thoughts. Uh, one was, we thought the experience at other places would equal quick starts still. But let us not forget. Let's just, game one next year, let's not forget. Game one, uh, if you have a ton of experience on BYU's team coming back, that can lead itself to an explosive game. It certainly did in uh, 2022 at South Florida with most of the 21 offense back. That was great. But when it's something like this year, no, it takes a sec. But it was Sam Houston. There's that element, too, of like, yes, very uh, respectable FCS team, now an FBS team, redshirted guys, da-da-da. Still, 14 points was not enough. Like, Mm. BYU was capable of much more. Again, Pure joy is like doing your best and, and uh, living with that, right? 
and then you look at you know other, other things uh, like we talked about the the suffering of others <laughs> sometimes schadenfreude can, i believe is can, the word can be uh, joyful you know if uh, <laughs> your your rival is or whatever but yeah BYU's certainly got to do better and we've talked about a bunch of different um elements there but Kalani Sitake um said uh, in the press conference yesterday uh monday he said we're all experienced now though that's not an excuse we've all played a game we're all in it i guess keanu Hill and cody Epps have it but well, the, I, I, don't, I don't want those guys to be relied upon too much to win. It's like, I want to see Aiden Robbins run for 100 yards on mm. Saturday. I, obviously, that was not a confidence game for him, 7 for 23. He's certainly capable of much more than that. I want to see Deion Smith in the screen game against Southern Utah. I also want to see LJ Martin, but I think it'd be a little weird to be like, hey, um, LJ is getting the majority of the carries right now. It's like, oh, shoot. We're going there against SUU right now. BYU will need all three of those guys yes. this year, by the way. Like, don't, don't uh, think for one second that BYU does not need Aiden Robbins' awesomeness. Just because BYU played one game and he struggled, there's, there's going to be all kinds of struggles for guys throughout the year in various games. Yes. You've got to pick each other up. Get that and the man defense is going to have a game where they give up a bunch of points in one, and BYU loses. It will happen. But so far, so good on that side of the ball, and then you figure it out on offense, starting with the run game. Now, I mentioned seeing Keanu Hill on the field yesterday was, it was good. Yep. Like, I, I like to see yep. him out there. The, perhaps the best thing I saw, and the, the interview with Ethan Slade was awesome. He, I, I appreciate and respect what he is doing. But as I was interviewing him, I saw Keaton Slovis and I think Nick Billups, backup quarterback. Bill Barr, employee number one. Okay, that's right. Walk over behind me. In fact, he checked me. He's like, hey, we're going to go do some stuff on reads and signals, pre-snap stuff. I, I just want to make sure this doesn't get on BYU TV. And I was like, yeah, for sure. You head up there. But he was working with Keelan Marion, Darius Lassiter, Cody Epps, and Chase Roberts specifically to work just timing stuff, just pre-snap timing stuff. Um, this is after practice. This is of their own accord. Yep. But I thought, okay, now that – that's a leader. That's a leader in Keaton Slovis and <clears throat> getting those guys on the right page and the same page so that we don't have guys running the wrong routes in the yes, same place. Totally. We're in the wrong place, rather, and being in the right place. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love Procedure to stuff. see that. So yeah. just they spent extra time after practice because they know that it wasn't sharp in game one. And so that was encouraging to me. And that's what got my train of thought going, well, these guys haven't spent that much time together in the BYU offense. That was their first game together. For Keelan and Darius, they weren't here in spring. They came later. Exactly. So, yeah, and then not having Cody and Keanu, now those guys are front and center as opposed to, like, the fourth and fifth. Sort of, okay, you come in after the incumbent three receivers that we talked about. So, yeah, that's that's a real thing, not to mention dealing with a heavy heart for, uh, you know, Julius Papinga and uh, Matava Tayese's dad. Like, that. those were things on the mind that certainly were part of the equation. Yeah. Should be, does BYU need to sort of deal with those things in a manner to produce more points in the future? Sure, but that's a really human thing, yes. right? Yeah, the point is it's too early. After one game, too early. all those factors, yeah. if BYU comes out and looks similar to what they did against Sam Houston when Southern Utah takes the field at Lavelle Stadium. Now it's super legit. Then we can maybe concerned. start to alter some expectations. Now, you could be concerned right now. I think that's fair. But if, it's, if you do that against uh, Southern Utah, it was not the same ilk of FCS that Sam Houston was. Now there's a real issue because you are bearing down on an SEC road game and then the number one offense in the Big 12 from Kansas, last year in Kansas. On the road. And then it's a short week with Cincinnati, which, uh, you know, BYU should win that game. But 
The Cincinnati D-line is legit. I would argue n- number one or two in the Big yeah. 12. They're really good. So I, d- I don't know that the Cincinnati offense is super explosive uh, in year one under Scott Satterfield, but let's see. So Get, get some guys gotta, back. Like, we need to see some real goodness. Yeah. We need to see some excessive amount of awesome on Saturday and be like, <sighs> okay, we're good. All right. It is a, what we're calling, worst take Wednesday. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> what, is, what is this? We need to be held accountable to a degree. And some of you, frankly, that joined us last week, some takes on social media. Hey. What was the worst take that you have heard, seen, in regards to BYU football recently? <laughs> we we want to hear from you, okay? Now, I'm going to revisit my headlines from Friday when we did yeah. Sunday's headlines today. So mm-hmm. last Friday, I had two headlines that I was expecting to show up in Sunday's paper yeah. as it pertained to BYU football's performance against Sam Houston. Number one was Cats KO'd, and number two is Big 12 Brigham means business. Now, the Cats KO'd is where I was way off. I expected the game to be well in hand midway through the third quarter, which what is What do you why mean it I was? Used... It was 7-0. Oh, my goodness. It... It wasn't 14 to nothing until the first play of the fourth quarter, okay? <laughs> Seven-point game wow. at the end of the third quarter, which takes away, like, the whole knockout thing. It felt like this game, it, it went the distance. If this was a 12-round fight, it went all 12 rounds. Which it was like, why is this going BYU had round? won yeah. the majority of the rounds, but they hadn't really knocked down the opponent. So, like, I don't feel like the game was ever super in question, uh, are, are worried in the fourth quarter for that matter? At 7-0, it was in question. Until Jacob Robinson. When it's two scores, pass. you're a little more comfortable. Right. Yeah. So uh, the KO did not happen. It took all 12 rounds for yeah. BYU to finally you know, throw enough, land enough punches Thanks, to, to win this TKO. Um, but the Big 12 means, or Big 12 Brigham means business. Like That was more of a defensive-minded approach. I, I feel like the defense absolutely does mean business. But yeah, they were not KO'd. I was way off. I said, uh, I said the following, which somehow made it on BYU TV again today. Uh, what the hill? Uh, Jay's defense delivers. 100%. You Nailed right that on. one. You hey. Right on. Hey, got that one. Right uh, on. Provo stays weird. Slovis throws four TDs. <laughs> uh, Slovis ran for two TDs. He had never done that. By the way, Keaton Slovis' 40th college game is coming up on Saturday. Okay. Um, Max Tooley's played in like 50 games, by the way. It's crazy. And then the other one, Sam Houston, we have a problem. BYU is 41-7. <laughs> I mixed a you couple of numbers in there. You were way off because Sam Houston didn't score any points, Jerem. That's exactly right. And I need to flip the four and the one there. <laughs> okay, at Matt Cosmonex, I saw a tweet that said the Sam Houston game was top five worst performance. Top five worst performances? That's, there's no such thing as worst performance in a win. Like, there's been pl- – trust me, even recently, we – we can talk about Michigan and LSU in 15 and 17. That were yeah. some of the worst performances those, those BYU's ever had. How about BYU losing different. at Liberty the way they did last year? At Oregon. The, that, those were like the game at Liberty would Boy qualify State, more as like one of the worst performances we've seen from BYU football, and every single coach on that staff would agree with me in Bo- that statement. Boy State 21 was a tough one. But Matt yeah. Cosmo is saying, like, yeah, this is this is that's a bad take. And, that's, and again, that's a worst take. Again, I know it's not ideal, but BYU's one and zero. You could be Baylor. Think about what Baylor Sports Nation is talking about. They have a 41 to Texas State. There's your 41 right there. (laughs) Jordan Royal on X says that mission trips give BYU players an ultimate edge since they're older. That is an all-time bad take. Old, reliable. That That is is, an all-time bad take. That's in the Hall of Fame of worst take Oh, yeah. It's the Hall of Amazing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Check out BYUSN Game Day coming up Saturday at 1 Eastern time as Cougars get ready for Southern Utah. Head of the game on ESPN+. 
Let's go. Uh, the guys, get you ready Saturday, 1 Eastern on VOE TV. Up next, what is this? An all-time winningest coach at BYU out of retirement and back coaching at Utah of all places? This is BYU Sports Day. What? We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. What up? Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Friday headlines. Good football host Southern Utah for the second time ever. Tomorrow on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus. Get your pregame fix for BYUSN Game Day on BYU TV and Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio, both starting at 1 Eastern time. All day football. Matt Bushman was called up to the Chiefs' 53-man roster yesterday, played seven snaps in the Chiefs' 21-20 shocking loss at home to the Detroit Lions. Other Cougars in the NFL this weekend include Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, their reunion with the Saints against the Titans. Tyler Algier and the Falcons take on Brady Christensen's Panthers. Puka Nakua's NFL debut will happen against Jerem Seahawks. See? Fred Warner and the 49ers take on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Chris Brooks, the surprise. He's a signing non-draftee. And the Dolphins against Michael Davis and the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. Your number one ranked women's soccer team undefeated. Heads up to Salt Lake to take on Utah tomorrow night, 9 Eastern on Pac-12+. Beat the Utes again. Haven't lost to them since 2014. Eighth-ranked BYU women's volleyball beat Towson in four sets, then swept UC Irvine yesterday at the Washington State Cougar Classic. BYU will face the 13th-ranked Cougars in Pullman in a ranked matchup tonight, 10 Eastern, to wrap up the Cougar Classic. Huge test tonight. Women's basketball non-conference schedule is out. Regular season begins Tuesday, November 7th at Montana State. Cougars will play Wake Forest in La Ia on November 18th at Utah, December 2nd. Finish up with Nevada, December 21st, among other games. That in Springfield, Missouri, by the way. Of note, this is cool. This year, every uh, game, home and away, and neutral, will be broadcast on BYU Radio. Let's go. Awesome. Third-ranked BYU men's cross-country and the number seven women's cross-country teams will both host the annual Autumn Classic to open their respective seasons this morning. The women, they started earlier this morning. They're running. Yep. Carmen Alder won with 17 minutes, 26 seconds, two hundredths in the BYU women's three-mile. The men's race currently happening right now. Did the women win to keep the undefeated thing going, though? That's the real question. Are they undefeated? Is the undefeated August and September still, still a thing at BYU? Going. Yeah. All right, those are today's headlines. Now we whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. We're told BYU competed against uh, Solid Community College in Westminster, so good, uh, good shot there. Uh, okay, <laughs> what stands out to you about the women's basketball non-conference schedule? First and foremost, they were able to make the tournament happen at BYU-Hawaii. That's cool. In Lightyear, again, yes. The David O. McKay. I, I love that that is happening, and I love that they're going to challenge themselves. Wake Forest out of the ACC is, mm -hmm. is kind of an, a notable opponent early in the season. I like that. The game at Utah on December 2nd feels like just a massive showdown with the news about Jeff Judkins. Hi, and the fact that Utah was all-time good last year, and they're bringing back a ton of talent to that team. So yeah. can BYU compete with the Utes this year in early December? Check it, George Q. Cannon activity. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's good because guess what? League play is going to be tough. It's not as tough as like the men's side, but it is really good. They had uh, six teams make the tourney last year in the Big 12 among the 10. Crazy. Absolutely. Uh, yesterday, 
Legendary quarterback Aaron Rodgers was asked about football becoming fun again. I love this so much. And he spoke about his relationship with Zach Wilson being at the forefront of this rediscovery of fun. Well, there's a lot of guys that have really made me feel comfortable here, made me feel at home. Um, I think as much as anybody, the relationship with, with, uh, with Zach has been the most important one because uh, him and I already had a friendship. And coming in here and knowing that I'm coming in to be the guy where he's been the guy. And he's dealt with so much uh, scrutiny in the media and ups and downs this first couple of years. For him to embrace me the way he has, has been fantastic. I love him. You know, I really care about him. And I want to see him uh, to grow and get better and to watch me and to be in my hip pocket and learn as much as possible. But that relationship was first and foremost, I think, most important. This is becoming like a dream scenario for Zach Wilson. Like your best friends with Aaron Rodgers, like that, it could not have worked out better for him. And I, I just respect Aaron Rodgers and his stance so much. Like, I love that he has absolutely embraced Zach, and Zach has done the same for him. This is amazing. What do you make of those comments from from Aaron Rodgers? Because Zach already looked up to Aaron, and they had established a relationship uh, before. It works because if, if Zach had a huge ego and he was like, no, I still want to be the starter. It's like, well, obviously you're bringing Aaron Rodgers to be the starter. Now Zach Wilson can learn th some things that he can apply, whether that's with the Jets or somebody else later. And who knows? You're one play away from being the guy in the game. So this is what we were hoping Zach would have initially, but obviously the Jets didn't have a veteran guy in there sure. to sort of coach him up. Or And Zach doesn't go into the games now thinking, I'm playing today, I have to deliver. He's got to be ready to do so, but it's certainly Aaron's show. It's it's pretty cool to see the egoless situation. Yeah, respect for both of them, and yeah. certainly for the legend who's, who's looking to help Zach create just a, a great future in the NFL. Yeah, but not at his expense, after. Hey, by the way, women's cross country, they, they won the meet. Of course they won. The undefeated, undefeated August and September continues The Shane Reese undefeated era. All right, up next, time to preview the weekend in the Big 12 okay. with our Big 12 Roundup. And we're going to make some picks as it pertains to the BYU-Southern Utah game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with our weekly prop picks. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Let's get right to our Big 12 Roundup. If you're new to this, we present the biggest games in the Big 12 Conference. We're featuring Big 12 teams each week. We talk about the expectations and the spreads yep. from our friends in the desert, and then we choose which team we think are gonna cover the spread. So this week, we're adding a super pick, which means if we get our super pick correct, it's like confidence points, we get an additional point. But if you miss that confidence pick, you lose a point okay. in the head-to-head -head competition. Okay. Let's start with tonight's game between Illinois and Kansas. The Jayhawks are a three-point favorite. I've got the Jayhawks. Jalen Daniels uh, expected to play in this yes. one. Did not play last week. Jason Bean did tightness in uh, in uh, Daniels' back, so I expect Kansas to put up some points and win by three-plus. Yes, Jalen Daniels being back is the reason I am agreeing with you. I am going with Kansas to cover against Illinois in Friday Night Football. Number 12, Utah. 
at Baylor, Utes by seven and a half. On the sheer principle of not ever <laughs> picking Utah, I'm going with Baylor here. Thank I don't you care that, that Blake's in that. No, one. I don't care that Blake Shapin is out or what. I just yeah. like Utah very well might do this. I don't care. I'll take the, if I'll take the point loss. I'm going with Baylor to rally to to get to like just to just fight for something here. I, I think they're gonna stay within seven. <sighs> You're right. I don't. I'm not rooting for Utah. I'm just I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> I have covering this one. I just don't think Baylor is going to. Uh, they probably won't. Put up but I can't on principle. I can't do anything but pick Baylor, especially after some of the things I saw on social media earlier this week about Baylor week from Utah fans. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, third game. Iowa at Iowa State. The yeah. Cyhawk trophy is up for grabs. Yeah, man. Okay, Iowa three and a half point favorite against yeah. the Cyclones. I got, uh, I got yeah. Iowa. I just don't think Iowa State offensively is that good. Iowa's defense is tremendous. It's just, can they put up enough points? That's the issue with Iowa. Cade McNamara should help and has helped, I believe, their offense turn a corner at least a little bit. Nine, Speaking of Iowa. 9-3 in this one. I got Iowa. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. SMU against number 18, Oklahoma. Oklahoma getting, uh, or SMU getting 16 and a half points. I, I can't be more emphatic about this, Jerem. Yep. They are my, Oklahoma is my super pick. Oh, here we go. They absolutely are going to cover this. I'm yeah. buying stock in Oklahoma right now. They got to play this game at Memorial Stadium in, in Norman. I, I think SMU's walking into a hornet's nest, baby. I have Oklahoma's one. Okay, they're my, they're my super pick. Okay, next game, Cincinnati and Pitt. Yep. Pittsburgh is seven-point favorite at home in the River City rivalry. Yeah, it's been a minute since they've had this. They used to play this in the Big East, right? It's been 11 years. Um, is Emory Jones gonna gonna do enough for Cincinnati? I say no. I've got Pitt laying the seven. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I wavered on this one a little bit. I'm taking Cincinnati here. Okay. So you and I differ in that regard. Okay. I think Cincinnati's gonna be within seven. Game of the week in college football. Number 11 Texas at number three Alabama. Alabama by seven. What you got? Alabama next. So I, I don't, I'm not buying Texas right now. I've got to see it. By the way, Quinn Ewers has not completed a pass of 20-plus for a touchdown in his Texas career. Well, random stat I heard this week. I have this as my super pick. Bama. Yeah. Roll Tide. Yeah, it's, it's a safe super pick for sure. Roll Tide. Yes, Alabama. Uh, if Texas is within seven, I will be shocked. Okay, next game. 13th-ranked Oregon. On the road against their former quarterback, Tyler Shuck in Texas Tech. The Red Raiders coming off a very, very frustrating loss at Wyoming. Six and a half point favorite for Oregon. I have Oregon. Certainly Texas Tech way better than Portland State, but Oregon looked great. Put up 81 points. Puddles did 536 push-ups. Sure. I have the Ducks uh, covering this one. The Red Raiders respond, Jerem. Ooh. Texas Tech covers here. Texas Tech covers okay. him. They, re okay. they circle the wagons in Lubbock. Joey McGuire gets that, yes. uh, that group going. UCF laying uh, three and a half against Boise State. I think Boise State is not good, Jerem. I don't think so either. I, I think UCF wins for sure by four or more in yeah. this game. I, I, I just think UCF's too explosive. They're recruiting at a really high level. They have good uh, defensive line play. Yeah, I have UCF. Right, what I saw from Boise State last week against Washington, and I know is that Washington, whatever. I think whatever. Washington's pretty good. No, I, I, I don't think Boise State is. A, In the Chris Peterson Bowl? Yeah, they're, not a, they're not a great team. Oklahoma State, last one. 
against Arizona State. The Cowboys favored by three and a half against the Sun Devils, who held off Southern Utah by three last week. Yeah, that, the ASU looks awful. I have, uh, you know, Oklahoma State still has its issues as well. Like, hardly anybody lost more to the portal than Oklahoma State. Gunnar Gundy, Caleb, the quarterback, the coach's son. Caleb Etienne uh, for BYU. I have Oklahoma State covering the three and a half. Yes, I'm with you. Oklahoma State will cover against Arizona State. Got a couple differences, but not too Did many. I see anything from the Sun Devils that will make me think otherwise? Um, no, not at all. Okay, time for prop picks now. Big 12 roundup up, prop picks up. Uh, this is where we have five different possibilities in this game, yes. and then we pick. So who will record BYU's first rush attempt? Aiden Robbins, LJ Martin, or the field? It's Aiden Robbins, and I think it needs to be, Jerem, just for the confidence factor. Just like we're going right back to you, you're getting the first carry and I hope it's a run of at least five or six yards. Probably will be, but I'm taking the field because there might be a jet sweep. There might be a Keaton Slovis RPO where he just keeps. It might even be Deion Smith. Who knows? Okay, you're going with the field. Nice. I, I know LJ Martin is a fun, like people are, what about LJ? Nah, it's, it's too early to like too go early, away from Aiden yes, Robbins. Yes. Number two, BYU's offense will score between 21 points or fewer, 22 no. to 30 points, 31 to 40 points or 41 plus points? 41 plus. You're confident they're 40, going to go 41 plus. 41 plus. BYU's putting up points. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere between 31 and 40. I think okay. the defense can do their thing. I, it, it's hard for me to be like, yes, the offense is going to score 41 plus after last week. I hope they do. I hope you get the point. I really if do. They don't. It's going to be. But I, I think that, that they might hit somewhere between 36 and 40. Over under nine and a half points allowed by the defense. I am going under. Nice. I am buying the J-Hill defense right yeah. now. I think that yeah. they are, they're back. Like It's, it's going to be probably seven or fewer. They scored 14. Uh, Southern Utah scored 14 offensive points against Arizona State. Had a big play. Didn't get the run game going too much. Didn't throw for a ton. I got under as well. Okay. Under as well. Bolt under there. Over under four and a half punts for Ryan Rico. He had nine in game number one. I say over because there's going to be three through the first three quarters. And then up big, he has two punts in the fourth. It goes to five. Yeah, five punts is not that many. No. It's this is this one's over for sure. Yeah, we we agree back to back things. And last but not least, which player will have the longest play from scrimmage? Keelan Marion is the man that will take the lid off the top of a defense. Jeff. They almost had him last week against Sam Houston. It was underthrown just a little bit and he wasn't able to yeah. high point the ball and stop a little bit. I think Keaton Slovis and Keelan Marion connect on the longest play from scrimmage. Keanu Hill likes to take it to teams Agreed. from Southern Utah. Agreed. Utah Tech last year, it's going to be Southern Utah this year. Keanu Hill. I hope. Hey, my guy Keanu. Let's go. Those are your prop picks and the Big 12 Roundup. Okay, we're on record on a lot of different ways. That's Wait, this is live? 14 different things. Up next, which player do you expect to have the bounce back game of games against Southern Utah? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. People came up and talked to me about that almost immediately. Like after the race, I went and did my victory lap with the other the other two guys who were in the top three, and uh, like there there was people there that were were saying thank you for um, like doing what I did and how inspiring it was, and thank you for being a good example for my kids. Or like that was just awesome. You're, 
like that was great that was so fun to watch or different things like that latest episode of deep blue podcast features kenneth rux national champion usa champion subscribe and listen to the new season of deep blue podcast with shep wherever you get your podcast oh love that and and what a great athlete what a great humble kid he is our question of the day, which BYU player will have the biggest bounce-back game against Southern Utah? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. I should call Kenneth a man. He's a man. Okay, let's just He's Kenneth. Let's put that on record. Yes, he is, he is Kenneth. Nice. At Chauncey Jones on X says, Aiden Robbins going to have the bounce-back game. His debut didn't go as he had probably envisioned, but yep. I expect a lot more carries for Aiden and a solid performance against Southern Utah. Love it. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Return of the NFL. Let's go. Puka Nakua, Jaron Hall, Chris Brooks, Blake Freeland potentially making their NFL debuts, right? We expect Puka and Blake certainly to play. Yeah. Jaron probably not. Chris perhaps not, but we'll see. So congrats to those guys on uh, making the 53, and uh, perhaps we'll see them this so weekend. So for a second, I thought there were 17 on active 53-man rosters and 16 BYU 16. players. 16. Three guys on the practice squad. Pretty awesome. Solid. Good number. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.